So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm JB sitting in my chair on a very chilly May morning. And it's not even, for those who listen to these recordings, like, you know, years and months ahead of when it is now, it is the t- we're recording this at 11 o'clock in the morning on the 20th of May. We're only a month off the longest day of the year for the sunlight, etc. for our part of the world. And as JB's alluded to, it's cold. And um, for our recorded podcast audience, he's in his England rugby sweater and I believe a shirt or T-shirt underneath. And I'm at home with a jumper ready to go wrap around my shoulders, true cricketer style. What's going on with the weather, JB? Well, I don't know, but one degree colder and I would be wearing my leggings underneath my trousers. Honestly, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's actually got in the way of... I, I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to walking the dog along the beach these days when it's absolutely sleeting, uh, down, snowing. I don't do it anymore. I used to when I was a bit of a hard nut, but I'm not so much anymore. Lovely. Um, um, JB, the, list, the listeners are desperate to know what yes. happened on Saturday last week. And I'll let you remember what happened Saturday last week so you can tell them the latest since Saturday last week. Um, tick, did tick, I? Tick, tick, oh, no, so that was picking up my bongo. That's the one. We have ah, a winner. Yes, I picked up the bongo and with my other half and oh my mm. God, this is transformational. It might be my age, I don't know, don't know, but being in a small confined space on wheels with my wife is probably one of the most exciting things that happens to me these days <laughs> in COVID land. And so we just go off um, like sort of, I don't know, noddy and big ears off in our bongo. Um, we go and we see um, things. We, we, we go, we go uh, to the sea um, with our bucket and spade. No, we don't. We go with a bottle of Prosecco <laughs> and um, we just sit and look at the view and talk rubbish and listen to music and chat to other people as they draw up in their shitty little Ford Fiestas and look down on them <laughs> from our great height of our bongo and, and push up the electric roof and show off with that. And He um, erects his erected roof. It's just, it's just phenomenal. Anyway, so this weekend we are going to go somewhere. I don't know where. And we are going to stay overnight. It'll probably be just in the street near here. <laughs> but I don't care. We, we've got to do this. And so uh, several bottles of Prosecco, probably a couple of bottles of Sauvignon Blanc, and a probably nice little King's Ginger to, to finish it off. A nice little sticky at the end. Um, can I ask? So uh, I know we're going way off piece of leadership podcast land here, but for the benefit of the listener and myself, because I am in huge awe of your your bongo. And I've often wondered if buying a camper van of sorts would be a really good purchase because I have three children. We can then sod off for the weekend and we can just bundle them all into a bed together and they would love it. Um, but under British law, I'm sure that if you have the keys and you are an owner of a vehicle, if you're over the influence of alcohol limits, in theory, aren't you, and you're inside the car and the car's not in the ignition, in theory, aren't you then at risk of being done for drink driving? I'm guessing not, but wh- where's the loophole in this Well, stuff? so we, well, we've had this conversation, my wife and I, and 
um, we've got these screens that you can put on the windows um, so that you can create this completely sealed area that no one can see inside at all. Um, you can pull the roof down or the, it'll just and lock that in. And so what we decided is if the police did come to the van, uh, we would go into lockdown um, like, a like a pa panic room, lock it all down and just pretend that we're not there. And they can't get in. They can't actually break into our van. And by the morning time, one of us dry. might be sober, which would be great. And so that is um, my guidance on getting drunk in a van in a street. And the other guidance I would give to you mm. is before you buy your uh, motorhome or camper van, mm. uh, check out the com compatibility with your wife first. Just, just make sure um, that you can last uh, for up to 12 hours uh, with your companion, uh, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your wife or husband. Uh, that is test number one. The, t the other test is if you are in a family with children, uh, make sure that you're in the right family for this sort of thing. Uh, because if you're in the wrong sort of family where they're going to rip it all up and mess it all up and um, make it all uncomfortable, don't do it. Just don't do it. Not yet. Not until you get to the grand old age of 45 like me um, before you enter into this sort of ridiculous um, kind of, I don't know, midlife tripping, it might be called. I don't know. I don't know where to go now because I think I've exhausted my bongo story. No, I don't think you have. You, you've, you create reflection opportunities for oneself and I and I have... You know, I think my wife may kill me if I turned up with a camper van. But then on the other hand, listeners to this podcast may inform her of my ruse now. So, um... Well, you could alternatively just say, darling, sometimes I need a little bit of space. And I would only initially be going off for a night. But if I like it, I might be going off for a few years. Just heads up on that one right. and just see how she reacts. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes in future episodes. Um, anyway, this week, um, I will admit, I haven't checked the inbox for questions, but I don't think we have any. But if you're in the live audience and you have any questions, you can submit it in the usual way. Um, if you are a listener in recorded land, um, please note, we do record this live in front of a studio audience. And in order for you to sign up to the studio audience, all you need to do is search podcasts on seedle.com and you'll find the leadership one is right there and it talks um, about this podcast but of course if you're listening to it already why do we need to explain it any longer we as ever have topics of the week and this week um, I think JB needs to kind of get the credit for the that this well my my introduction to JB on this topic is we were prepping for a client presentation session which incidentally the feedback has been very strong for JB which we'll talk about offline um, oh, it, it has promoted already some this is good stuff question of course it is it's me and jb um anyway um and as we were prepping this we ended up having quite a lengthy discussion ourselves about the reputation leaders have in tackling elephants in the room and where where it became interesting as a should we talk about this in the podcast for me was when we started whacking up public figures and trying to work out where they were on JB's dartboard of elephantism. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I have to um, I have to give credit where credit is due, um, and so there is this guy called Professor Cliff Bowman, and he produced this fabulous. Co it is actually a coaching model, uh, and I really like it for that. And uh, but I think it's just a really good uh, tool to have in meetings or one to one sessions when you tend to uh, focus on what's comfortable and. Uh, it's like, let's go back to being comfortable again when things have got a little bit tense. And we've all had probably recent experience of having a conversation with someone. It might be about performance or behaviour or not hitting targets or, you know, the way that they're forecasting or whatever it happens to be. Uh, we uh, would do a little bit of that, just shake the tree a little bit, and then it all gets a little bit uncomfortable, and we go go straight back to what Cliff Bowman calls the zone of comfortable debate. Because it's natural, and it's human. And most people that I've ever known don't actually like going around upsetting people. Hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a human thing. And you see it in children, you know, they don't want to upset people, really, unless they're the, the bully in the playground. The elephant in the room was actually quite eye-opening for me because me and JB use these different diagrams and um, I wouldn't call them systems, but kind of flow charts which you can plot yourself on to work out where things are at. But where it becomes interesting, I suspect, is if there is a connection between elephant in the room and... Um, whether the reputation is of others of you thinking that person always goes after the elephant in the room and actually it's quite disruptive versus is it as JB's deluded to where as a new manager as I once was, I sit in this comfortable area of comfortable discussion. I don't really kind of drift into um, the, you know, the, the heated debate area. Um, so it, it's an interesting one. And, and what was interesting when we were talking about this to our clients' employees as a webinar um, is that they assumed that we believed people needed to be in a static position. And one of the points we were keen to make was that you, you do need to flex it. Sometimes someone needs to call out the elephant in the room and it's okay. And actually someone's desperate for you to take the one for the team and call out that elephant in the room. And there are other times where it's completely inappropriate to do so because actually it, it's uncomfortable for the business. It's uncomfortable for the people. And me and, J and you, you, JB, have talked about this before is that, you know, if, if and, and I don't want people to think that I'm on, uh, trying to be offensive with this description, but um, you can screw up your kids if you if you say one thing wrong because it lasts in their memory for years in the same way. If you sometimes call out the elephant in the room and it is not appropriate, that will haunt you for far longer than it would do otherwise. So JB, would you mind perhaps explaining to our dear listeners how your dartboard and its rings work? Okay, so... Love a good ring um, and a bongo. Lovely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um... Oh, that reminds me of... No, no, I'm not... No, I'm not going <laughs> A ring... Um, rem oh, here we go. A ring's reminded no. JP of something and it's a wrecked no. bongo. No, it could just go in the completely wrong direction. Right. Um, you smutty, smutty devil. Um, right, okay. So now um, imagine then uh, you're in a meeting. It's a one-to-one -one session. And 
it's all convivial. It's all fine. And you're having a good chat uh, with your direct report. And they are pretty good at what they do, to be honest. You know, they, they, they are personable. Uh, they uh, are doing all the things uh, that they should be doing. Um, with a few tweaks here and there. You're working on a few things with them. Um, but there is one problem uh, with this person. And they tend to blame others for not producing things that they need uh, to be able to fulfil their client expectations. So they are not taking the necessary responsibility. They don't see themselves... In, in my view, as part of the team. It's not a we, it's a they team. And a they team is uh, they didn't <coughs> provide me with the information that I needed on time. They didn't provide me with the elements of the proposal that I needed for that client meeting on Tuesday. So this person has got a they problem. Um, they don't live in the we of a team. They live in the they and this is something that is a problem and various conversations are coming back and reports coming back that uh, they aren't delivering to the client and then they come back and they complain that they didn't provide what they needed. So there's an element of prima donnery about this. Uh, they think that they are a little bit exceptional. They are a big talent. Um, and they know it, and you know it, and everyone else knows it. Um, but this is something that's rising up to be a little bit of a problem and could get bigger. So what do you do? What you do is you become very clear about what's happening, and you describe what is happening, and you start entering into the zone of uncomfortable debate. You've moved out of the zone of comfortable debate. We've, we've done the kids. We've done, you know, how good it is to do this and that and, and fantastic. I really noticed some brilliant performance uh, last week and you were absolutely ace in that meeting. Um, there's a few areas that I think we could probably improve, but um, that's all pretty cool. Uh, there are a few things that I think this is an opportunity for me to raise with you. Uh, and I'm going to be specific about an incident that happened uh, yesterday where I asked you for some information and you weren't able to provide it and you said that they hadn't been able to give you the information so therefore uh, you don't have it. Now this is something that I find uh, very frustrating and actually it makes me very uncomfortable uh, because it makes me unsafe uh, when I need to forecast effectively and I need to put my head on the block, uh, this isn't okay for me. And what I want to know is what you're going to do about this. So we've gone into the zone oh, of... Do you know what, guys? I thought you were saying this to me real time. I was about to have to explain myself. <laughs> you, you're bloody authentic, <laughs> you, JV. <laughs> so we've gone, we've gone into the zone of uncomfortable debate and we're now entering into uh, the, heart of, the heart of the matter. Yeah. Uh, which is, what is this? What is the elephant in the room? 
um, we, we've laid out the uh, the whole scene. You know, we've done a scan of the the situation. They've they've talked back through why it's so disappointing that they never get what they need uh, from them. They um, and so the elephant in the room for me is what's stopping you from feeling like it's a we rather than a they. What are, what what are you going to do specifically to be part of this team? Because right now you're actually moving away from it and you are being perceived. This is, this is what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm seeing you uh, actually becoming separated from this team because you are viewing them as they, not as we. I want to talk to you about that because I think it's actually potentially limiting for you and it's certainly limiting for the team because you're that good. If we then flip... Ooh. There's a little pop on my microphone there. If we were to flip the thinking slightly then, sometimes the elephant in the room is not behavioural. In fact, sometimes we're probably lovely to this person because they're lovely to us and therefore we don't want to upset that lovely person. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, an example I could probably think of is when you have... A performer that is a lovely person but they're not performing at the desired level and when their behavior is really quite pleasant and they're a great team player and they muck in um you know how do we tackle those situations and sometimes it is about having we've talked about in a previous recent episode courage because actually they probably know it. We probably know it. But we're kind of dancing around this. <laughs> Everything's great. You know, you're all right. I'm all right. Great. You have a good weekend. I had a brilliant weekend. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, I've got to go. Bye. And then before you know it, two weeks have passed and you kind of brush it under the carpet. And, you know, and I think we can probably relate to this in our personal lives as well, especially in our personal lives. Um, you know, and I will talk about a recent personal situation. And JB, um, I haven't told you this yet, but, um, you know, we have a... Um, one of my boys at school, is, unfortunately, is quite a, quite vocal, but he's not nasty. He's just, you know, he, he's quite confident in, in coming forward in his thinking. And he... Um, uh, um, oh, I've just got a coffee arriving from oh. my lovely, lovely wife. Hi, Ant. We, uh, there we are. There's Hi. A, hi, Ant. Hi, Bell. <laughs> Thank you, darling. That's very kind. Have fun you. in your bongo. Oh. Oh, don't trip over the pots, darling. And he's saying, have fun in the bongo. Oh, we will. Thank you. There we are. We will. Uh, Thank you. She always sounds younger than she looks, JB. I'm joking. I'm joking. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad she'd gone. Yeah. Uh, she'll listen to the recording and send me hate mail. Um, um, where was I going with this? Anyway. Oh, that's a nice cup as well. Um, mm. So... Um, and the elephant in the room was is that that my my one of my boys um, has become a bit of a victim of some slagging off in WhatsApp groups. This is what happens when your children get their phones for the first time. But mm-hmm. most of the parents know each other. And the elephant in the room was one of the children has been unpleasant to a number of the other ones in WhatsApp groups, which the other children weren't a part of. And then the parents of those other children have screenshotted all these conversations and forwarded on to us. Now, these are group conversations that don't involve us. And the elephant in the room is, is that 
our kids are being picked on and someone needs to tackle that with the parents. And actually, these parents are nice people. We don't want to cause conflict in the playground at pickup. Um, you know, we don't want to cause conflict when we happen to bump into these people outside of school. How do we deal with it? And um, I think this is where we, we have to go in and out of these 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 zones. Um, and it's about handling it in the right way. And the ironic thing is, is that when we, if we know it is right for the business and right for the people to call out the elephant in the room, I can only count probably on one hand where it's not ended up being the right thing in hindsight. And actually the person that you need to give this rather difficult message to respects and understands it. They may react in the moment to be, this is uncomfortable. But unless the person is completely deluding themselves as to their own incompetence or whatever it might be, Sometimes we've just got to grow some courage. <laughs> I was going to say something else, and and just do it. I think balls are justified. Fair enough. Okay, good. Grow, really some, grow, I, grow I, a pair and and and, yeah. and and get on with it. So it, the 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 dartboard was interesting because JB and I to try and bring this point home then had a list of names of people that we would filter through the concept of this dartboard. So imagine you've got three circles. The outer ring is area of comfortable discussion stroke debate, a middle ring of area of uncomfortable debate, and then probably a rather big circle in the middle, but not, you know, so in other words, bigger than your bullseye and your 25 ring, but, you know, maybe double that, would be the elephant in the room. Uh, and we can go right up to the wire on this elephant in the room, I suppose, as well, to actually calling it out and be really suggestive. But we then picked four people didn't we JB that we would place next to our dartboard of elephantness um, and we discussed where we would position these people where we believed their reputation would be more comfortable to sit in you know are they someone that only sits on the outer ring or the inner ring so let's go for the first name then shall we JB Yes. Who did we have? Oh, yes, mm. we did. Uh, and ooh. this was mm. this was the president of the United States past. Yes. The last one before the current one. The F POTUS. The I can't even I can't even bring myself to mention his name, to be honest. And there could be it's some like, listeners, of course, that are a huge fan of his. And um, but we respect everyone's opinions. We just think you're wrong. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the squiggle formerly known as Trump. Yes. So if we think of him as an example um, we asked our audience, and um, this is interesting, where they believed this person's reputation was. And actually, when we had a heavy US audience in one of our sessions, the results were quite interesting, weren't they? Because if I'm not mistaken, we had people that put him bang in the, you know, if seven is your bullseye and one is your outer ring, and there's kind of a, th a three and a five is kind of your separators, he touched on all rings, didn't he? Um but but go ahead, you, you JB. Well, he did, and and um, I you see this for me is really interesting um, material because um, you know there's the kind of e extrinsic and intrinsic stuff going on here mm. and intent, and uh, I, I I whether you like Trump or not, I I I think it's probably quite clear where my opinions are, but. Um, you know where where's his intent when he is kicking around elephants in the room 
um you know his intent i think is is all over the place and i i don't i don't know that he um he really cares that much about no. uh, the the design of the elephant the the approach to the elephant in the room and actually to solve the elephant in the room i think he's creating elephants in the room um for for positioning and power over others um i think i think what we're talking about is uh an intent to uh solve problems an intent to draw together uh what what um defines the team and the way we work together as a a, a you know a report and a and a boss rather than dividing um you know have creating a divisive elephant elephant the so we have the divisive elephant and i think we have the um you know what's I, I'm trying to find the right words, but it, it's it's the the elephant with good intent, or dealing with the elephant with good intent, yeah, yeah, yeah. or dealing with the elephant to divide. And I think I think Trump's got a a sort of ray, a laser like um, spotting of elephants, and then uses it to divide uh, people in a room. You're not supposed to blow up the elephant; you're supposed to call it out. I think so. Does that does that make sense, Anne? Because I, I I've just been thinking about that since we did that exercise. Actually, really, sort of going a little bit more deep on it. Yeah, it's 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 a, such a big subject, isn't it? Um, and what was interesting was we, we with the heavy US audience, there was a spread, and I suspect because we deliberately at this point of doing these examples had not explained to them that it's okay to flex. And therefore, they almost believed that we were suggesting the more elephanty you were, the more credible you were. And I sensed there were some that scored him low because actually he just lied around the elephants in the room was, I think, the, some of the responses we had as to the reason they put them there. But if you look at the international audiences that weren't US and therefore had a more, I guess, less emotive view, they all did say he probably did sit more in the elephant in the room area uh, on that scale. And we're not suggesting for a moment, therefore, that the default position is the right one. It is not a strength or a weakness to be in a particular area. I think the strength comes from your ability to move up and down that spectrum. So there you go. I think that's right. It's the capacity to hold um, the relationship and to hold the conversation through uh, the zone of comfortable debate, the zone of uncomfortable debate, and then literally holding the elephant uh, with probably, it might be necessary to, to do that in quite a high assertion level, not aggression. Um, I, think, I think the Trump example is a, is a, is a, is a, uh, a way of aggressively popping elephants in the room to create division and to hold power over others. Um, this model is a coaching model and the design of it uh, is to hold the conversation, creating a degree of safety for the other person or people whilst um, getting into uh, the internal uh, rather than just the external. 
Um, and I use the example of the, the we and the they deliberately hmm. because it's a really good example of the internalizing um, what we looks like and internalizing what they, conversations where we just get, well, they didn't provide it on time. They didn't help me on that. Therefore, I didn't get it done. Well, to me, with a, with someone in a position uh, that works worked for me, uh, that would have been um, I would have taken that as a failure on my part. Yeah. Because I I hadn't created the culture whereby this person felt that they could use um, we as opposed to they when they were talking to me. <clears throat> Should we move on to our second name? <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I'm actually, quite, well, yeah. Because things we could. This the, the this is where until you bring personas or genuine people that we're all aware of next to the dartboard, it really starts to bring this dartboard to a different meaning. I think. Um, okay, so name two was just Justin Trudeau, oh yeah, the Prime Minister of Canada. Um, who again? This is funny, isn't it? Because we record this stuff, and um, people, you know, we our podcast now are nearly two years old. So um, things have changed drastically in two years for us since the podcast recorded. Um, we've got a different prime minister of the UK, for example, and a different opposition leader, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, Justin Trudeau, the general consensus there was that he certainly was not an elephanter in the room. He certainly wasn't the centre ring. Um, the waiting was probably just. Um, in the doesn't really get into the meat of stuff and dances in very areas of comfortable debate. Um, and this is where it's interesting because, again, is this right or wrong? Um, and you and I, I think, had a conversation around uh, Jacinda, um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and and she um, would probably also score, I imagine, in a similar space to to the Canadian Prime Minister. However, actually, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, I think has suggested it's a weakness that he sits in this area of comfortable debate. Yet, Jacinda Ardern, who also probably would be scored to be spending the majority of the time in the comfortable debate, is seen as it's a sign of strength. Yeah. So depending on the democracies and the situations you live in, it will be seen as a strength or a weakness, I would argue. Well, and I think we, um, you know, the design of that um, approach was to, it was oversimplified uh, so that when we go back into that uh, zone, and I'm hoping that we will have some uncomfortable debate when we go back in to talk to these people, once the, once it's fermented in the way that it is for, for you and me, um, I, I think we can actually look at the capabilities of leaders and managers and, and that capability being uh, this holding both support uh, in that relationship with challenge. And the ultimate capability required uh, to deal with uh, behaviour, attitude, habits, performance, uh, where it's not quite in line for one reason or another, we we do need to be able to challenge that. And the ultimate challenge is the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is where we go beyond the extrinsic and we get right into 
um, you know, what's holding this person back? What's what's in their head? What's in their heart? Uh, what is actually really going on uh, within this uh, person? What's the fear beneath? You know, what's what's behind their presentation? What's behind them um, that that's making them feel that they can't be part of this we and they have to do this they and and i think that is the elephant in the room in the example i provided and it's getting w right into that and having that com conversation and that means in the real world that we can keep that person in the team for longer producing more um and not being afraid whatever's going on it's probably not seen there is something something going on it is the elephant in the room that 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 has not uh, spoken its name yet our job is to feel that we are capable not necessarily comfortable but capable in 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 digging uh, in to find what that is and examining that because it's usually something that's holding that person back um, in their development and that's when as managers we need to help them learn we need to help them learn to be that much bigger that much greater to be able to actually um, lead the elephant charge to make it a we elephant rather than a they elephant in in the example that I've given yeah should we go on to photo three or four Oh, yes. Should we do one more of these? Yes. Let's. Uh, so uh, Queenie or Merkel? Ah, uh, I think the Queen okay. is an interesting one. Yes. So Her Majesty, the Queen of England and her um, her subjects around the world that sit under her jurisdiction. Um, this was, again, an interesting one. So while JB has a little slurp of his coffee that his dearly beloved brought him, I will pad slightly for him to swallow <laughs> and not drool. Um, so I and JB had slightly differing views here based on, again, the context, I guess, of circumstances and situations and also viewpoints. And I argued that she sit, sat quite firmly in the area of comfortable debate and would deliberately and is known in certain public circles well in the media it's known that she is you know we, we don't have an opinion um we respect the will of the people and it's government that is voted for by its people to steer the ship and we will merely oversee it and you know encourage certainly will not be getting into areas of uncomfortable debate but mr bradley however has an opposing viewpoint which is of course valid um, well, OK, I was just quickly trying to do a quick scan and see if I could find a, a, an example, a quote of when the Queen was grumpy about something. Um, and I, if I'd had just a, if you'd padded just for a bit longer, I reckon I would have found something. <laughs> but um, so I don't think you need to look much further than her, um, her husband, uh, Philip, who unfortunately died recently. But um, I, I think both of them were very comfortable uh, in dealing and tackling with the elephant in the room. Uh, I think the Queen has a, this is, a, most of this is perception, but mm. there is some anecdotal evidence to suggest that um, push her buttons the wrong way uh, and, you know, she will uh, pretty highly assertively 
uh, respond uh, and call it out. Uh, she, I think she, she, her role probably uh, makes us think that she should be in this zone of comfortable debate. Uh, so, hello, good afternoon, welcome to my garden party. Would you like a tuna sandwich or a cheese and pickle? Um, um, that's I kind thought, of. I thought she'd join the podcast, Your Majesty. Oh, it's JB. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's what we expect of the Queen, but actually, I think behind the scenes of the Queen, uh, I think that she uh, is more than happy to tell a Prime Minister uh, that there is an elephant in the room and that there is a problem, and she's seen quite a few of them off. Um, so I am I am a, a great admirer of her capability. Uh, to hand out a lovely sandwich at the garden party, as well as uh, being highly assertive um, in the face of um, a prime minister or others, the little mandarins that go around her that are probably highly irritating, I could imagine. Indeed. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed, JB. So we have given you three examples there. Um, the Queen, Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump as to where they would sit on this dartboard of terror um, or elephants. Um, and I guess it's a nice thought to wonder where you may see yourself through your own eyes, where you desire yourself to be more comfortable. I guess the range is more important than the the location that you don't currently do maybe or whatever it might be. And then what you want other people to think about as your reputation, because in some roles, we do need to be that person that is the elephant in the room. If I work in compliance, a, it's quite binary for me. It's a yes or a no. Whereas some of us that might be mediators, it's a more about keeping it in the areas of comfortable and uncomfortable debate, but getting them to reach their own elephants. And and also, for me, the most important thing is to, is to really frame this up and set this up with... Uh, direct reports with teams and just talk, get the zone out, talk about uh, the zone of uncomfortable debate and get them used to um, saying things like, I, I think we possibly need to go into the zone of uncomfortable debate here because there's a couple of observations I'd like to make about this meeting. That is so healthy to get that out in the open and make it transparent. So for the quietest people, you know, they can actually have a voice and they can voice it in the meeting. And I think sometimes we need to create the culture, the conditions, um, and to make them feel safe by supporting them to be able to um, go into that uncomfortable debate. And then on going into, um, I think there might be an elephant in the room. Wouldn't it be great, you know, if you had a team where people were be were able to say, um, I, I have been um, thinking about this for a while and I really want to raise what I think is an elephant in the room. Or, you know, maybe pull back a bit from that and to say, I think there's an elephant in the room. I don't know what it is. Um, and I would really appreciate a conversation about it. Rather than that always having to be the leader of that team, to create the conditions over time uh, where that's where that's cultural and possible. Uh, I, I think the transparency work on that is so important and that that model is superb. I think it's a lovely, simple model just to show people 
you can just get it up on a flip chart, draw three circles, put the elephant, draw an elephant if you can. It's quite hard to draw one. I tried one the other day. Um, and then, you know, just say, where where does our team hang out most of the time? And let's let's put a let's put a time scale on it. How much time in in a in a week do we spend in in the zone of comfortable debate? How how often do we go into the elephant in the room? And it's probably not very much, generally speaking. But a grown-up, adult-to-adult team, not a not a parent-child team, will be able to deal with it over time and get used to it. Um, and actually, then you're building high trust. You're beginning to build some high trust uh, capability within the team, uh, and also the ability to challenge each other and the way the team operates. That's what we want. Yeah. That's what we want. That's that that defines a great team when you you're able to do that. So as JB said, there's there's no final uh, uh, examples for us to use on our dartboard of of elephantism. Um, so um, we have 15 minutes left, JB. Well, up to. <gasps> um, oh. I, I can log into the leadership email and see if there's some questions there. Or is there another topic that you'd like to discuss that we've perhaps been toing and froing over the last week? So I do know we did share an article or two on WhatsApp. Yes. Well, um I think this fits in with a few of the topics that we have been talking about over the last few weeks. So self one, self two, um, self one getting in the way um, and uh, instructing the self two. Self self one doesn't trust uh, the self two to perform and, and to do anything really well. Um, but self two is just um, this fantastic human being hardwired with all its potential and you know i think that is germane to uh this whole ability capability of uh confronting the elephant in the room uh, i think sometimes we need to practice and you know maybe just practicing by standing up for somebody that you wouldn't normally stand up for but actually just learning to be a little bit more assertive in every opportunity that you get, just to start getting that feeling uh, of being able uh, to deal with um, the kickback uh, and to stay an adult. I, um, I think it's really um, easy to, to fall back into child sometimes mm. and you know what does child look like uh child looks like you know having a bit of a tantrum um you know screaming when you're trying to knee their chest into their um chair in the car no i wouldn't do that obviously <laughs> <clears throat> um or whatever we do and you know these are things that we kind of need to resist in uh at work because people can go into these parental style roles um, and, you know, tell what you need to do is this. Now, if you do that again, um, you're going to be in big, big, big trouble. Um, so I see it all the time, you know, people going into that kind of parent mode, mm. um, e e even if they don't actually have kids themselves. It's like, will you stop being a parent? Um, and then you've got the child in the team becoming more childlike because the boss is becoming more parent-like. And then you get this dreadful codependency of parent and child. Um, you know, what is it? What is it to stay an adult? 
what what do we need to do to stay in adult uh so these are very very adult conversations that that we need to have um where we don't lose our shit that we're capable of uh moving up and down the scale of of um assertion and and being able to get to to a very high level of assertion if we need to it doesn't mean it's aggressive and we talked about it before with the three-part assertion message it's actually just saying what it is describing uh, what it is and saying how we feel about it uh and then you know what we're looking for um and you know what what needs to happen from here and and just practicing and practicing and practicing uh those things uh i think really really will make uh, a big big difference uh to teams and people's lives the more the more honest we can be the more transparent we can be the more people believe that they can trust us um so you know that all i think it all links into this you know high trust high performance team area that we that we want to get our people to in my opinion it's a very good opinion though mr bradley um so there was one other article i thought we could have just a quick whiz around jb Yes. Um, and it's linked to remote working vo- versus toxic culture. Um, oh, yeah. I, I shared this article, I think, with you and I. It's a BBC article um, from last month, actually. And it, it talks about the hope for many employees that worked in a toxic culture that working remotely would reduce that because you're dividing up the people that perhaps would cause the conflict. And ironically dysfunctional workplace cultures have become worse in many cases being remote than they were previously because if you've got a toxic leader who micromanaged before they will make it their mission to micromanage you even further um, through software and spy tools and your status on your chat system that you might be using internally Um, but it, it, it certainly talked about most commonly that the toxicity would be top down rather than bottom up. Um, so leaders um, that see this from above them can sometimes then fall into that trap themselves. And it's about trying to push back up the chain these behaviours that might exist in businesses. Um, the, <clears throat> there's talk about systems and software being a major painful thing about managers abusing their power um, in remote cultures. Um, and then there was also references to pandemic fatigue and how the businesses are looking after that as well. And we've obviously all heard about mental health being the new pandemic as a result of COVID, etc. Um, so anyway, um, it, it's it's an interesting article and I just wouldn't mind. I, we can perhaps pick this up in a more deeper dive in another episode. But um, what's your experiences of toxic cultures in a remote world and how do you see from what you've spoken to clients suggesting that it's worse or better or you've seen examples of both? I like the point there that, um, you know, it is it is about the leader, it is about the manager. And if the culture is micromanaging, uh, then, you know, that is going to follow you into the virtual world. And uh, there are loads of different ways in which... Uh, information obsessed control obsessed uh managers can get what they want but that becomes toxic and trust can break down very very quickly uh when a 
micromanaging manager starts micromanaging virtually, uh, I think I think there is a case that that multiplies uh, that situation, and there are a a few examples that I'm aware of where that uh, is happening. But by contrast, uh, I think that there there are examples where the opposite actually has happened, because people feel liberated away from mm. the toxicity of a micromanaging manager. But so there's two there's two things going on here. One is, you know, the uh, the joy and freedom that some people feel from working virtually, uh, and also uh, the other other people who love their boss, love their colleagues, and actually miss them terribly and want to get back into a room with them as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. And you know, I've, there, there are two complete extremes. My my hunch is that uh, most people that we have worked with around the world actually probably want a little bit of both, um, and unless um, you know you you you're not very keen on people uh, after all, um, and you've just found that out by spending a year working on your own on your own in your room in your bedroom. Um, and actually thinking, oh, I really like my own company. I never want to work with anyone ever again. Mm. Um, but I think that's an exception. I, do, I don't think that often happens. Um, the other the other point is just how toxic micromanaging uh, can be. I actually believe that it is another capability required by a good leader, by a good manager. I think you have to do it from time to time. Mm. And I think you have to be damn good at it. And I think it has to be full of intent as to why you are doing it um, with the full intent of moving out of that as fast as possible into um, a situation where you manage by intent. And it is the intent of the direct report that is important here, uh, as important as the intent of the leader. Um, and what I mean by that is... I don't want to be told what to do anymore. I want you to measure me by my intent of what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. My intention is to propose um, this at next Tuesday's meeting. My intention is uh, to sell this package to this client next Wednesday at three o'clock. I like the sound of that uh, because nothing's going to stop that happening unless someone comes up and says, I don't think you should be doing that. Okay, what what what, what do you think uh, I should do instead then, boss? So I, I think that micromanaging is important now and again, but I think it needs to be replaced as fast as possible with the conversation about intent. My intention is to make this uh, proposal in next Wednesday's meeting. Full stop. That's what I, we want people in our team that are there not waiting for the next instruction. Um, and we know the tension that exists there when people are fed up with being told what to do and they start losing faith in their boss because actually they believe that they might make a better job um, doing it on their own. And they'd like to take that responsibility and that step.
towards improving their learning on that matter, on that subject. Don't get in the way of that. Don't get in the way of that. Um, replace that with, um, so, but what's your intention? And that's a wonderful question. It is, um, it's one of those little questions that uh, people don't ask very often. Um, so, you know, we, we focus a lot on conversations around task uh, and objectives. Stuff all that, stuff all that. What's your intention? What's your intention with this? And I think then we get out of that toxicity. And why wouldn't that work in the virtual world uh, as well as in, um, you know, a face-to-face -face world? Uh, I, I, I don't see why not. In fact, it could work even more powerfully perhaps maybe that's one to one to test research i don't know yeah yeah definitely well ladies and gents we are at the end of our hour as ever it goes in a heartbeat does it not mr bradley um but well it's extraordinary do you think i could persuade my wife to make me another cup of coffee or do you think i'll get slapped around the head probably the latter not the former unless you're offering to take her off in your bongo to make one and a coffee hey i think i think that's do you know i feel like a bongo trip today i really do i i want to get in my bongo and just sit out and look at the sea and listen to um, one of my latest downloads. That's what I'd like to do. Well, not one of mine. I, I don't want to just. I'm not a narcissist. I want to listen to myself. <laughs> I want to listen to other people who inspire me. And actually, do you know what? I am? We ought to do a program on um, people who inspire us. Ooh. And try and get our listeners to talk about the same. Because I'm. I have a growing list. Since I've been in my shed, I've been able to. Um, do a lot more reading, which I, excites me more than anything, and also the the joys of Audible and listening to um, some really fabulous books. And I'd, I'd quite like to share that with people hmm. um, because there's some really amazing thinking uh, going on around COVID, since COVID, and um, there's some game-changing stuff and actually really making one think about looking at life at work with different lenses. And I, I really like to share that. We could do that at a, on another sesh. Sounds we? like a plan, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, um, I have my daughter coming this weekend and then she's not seen her brothers for over a year. So that would be fun. Um, oh, and that's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm off in the car. I've got some calls to do whilst driving all safe of course um whilst i drive for four hours on the round trip to pick her up <clears throat> and uh, yeah we'll be um um she'll be spending time with her brother the, the youngest of course is two and a bit so she's not seen him for half his life so that'll be interesting um but that's what covid does isn't it so it's um, gonna be a good Absolutely. weekend this weekend so and you've got your next jab coming up as well i booked it just before we went live actually jb you're right so this time next week i will be classified as fully vaccinated which is i think i'm only the second person in our board that has had the full jabberness that's because you're a young whippersnapper Thanks very much. Well, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been JB. And I'm just going to leave you uh, with the words of Tao Te Ching. I'm not going to do this in a Chinese accent, but um, here it is. Be firm and armed, but do no harm. Be as sharp as a knife, but do not cut. Goodbye. Goodbye.